praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And I come before you today to bring you greetings from on high. What a mighty God we serve. Today is Sunday, uh, July 17th. It is about 6.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And God woke me up this morning. I did another message that I may or may not uh, uh, publish real soon, but it's something we got to talk about, okay? We need to start talking about this thing so we can start uh, breaking these barriers that are coming between us, between the family. But the gist of what I wanted to discuss is that God, if God has called you to a thing, baby, don't let nobody, nobody tell you different make you believe different than what God has called. We're going to be doing some great things in this ministry. And I'm telling you, I desire that my lineage, my family, my bloodline, my husband's bloodline, those that God has brought around me through my job, that they are first partakers, first partakers of the the benefits of this ministry. And I thank God for it. I'm claiming it. I am claiming it. What's uh what's her name? She always talking about I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. God is reclaiming our time. Amen. In this season and in this hour. And don't you let nobody make you think any different. God has called you. Now listen. Listen. Let me be clear. God has called me to pastor. He has given me this church, Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And God has given me the responsibility as the overseer, as the chief intercessor, as the leader of those in the flock to him, to Christ. It is for me to lay the foundation It is for me to lay the foundation, and God has been clear that my children will take it further than I ever could have imagined. I don't stand on anybody else's recognition. I don't stand on anybody else's confirmation. It is what God has called and ordained for this time. And if you too slowly pick it up, then just keep, keep, you know, keep on going at your own pace. And to God gives you revelation, but no longer. We got to walk boldly. We got to walk boldly because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to be uh, lukewarm in our declaration. He wants us to be lukewarm in what he has called us to do. I don't know how much time I have in this earth. I don't know. I do not know, but there is an assignment that needs to be done. There is a mantle that has been passed down from generation to generation within my bloodline, and it is time to take it up. It is time to take it up. It's not about building a platform. It's not about building numbers or growing a congregation. It is about influencing the lives and direction of those who are strayed away from Christ. It is about drawing God's people back to him. It is about taking the willing, working with the willing, those who are in the will of God, and to continue to build what God has called us to build. He's laying the foundation, and I do not take for granted that God has called us for such a time as this. 
It is our responsibility to answer the clarion call that has been placed on our lives. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. But but I'm telling you the truth. Don't get caught up in, in, in folk uh, recognizing or acknowledging the call that God has called on, placed on your life. All right. Anyway, I just stopped that because I'm going to have to go back and cut some of that out. <laughs> All right. So what's my assignment for today? I'm bringing you a Bible supplement uh, to uh, supplement the Bible study that we've been having. And um, and actually, I've been... Um, we, we missed last week. We missed last week. We were supposed to be going into... Um, Genesis further into Genesis and talk about Abraham's journey, but we'll do that this week. Uh, we had a week-long event on my job, and and then this weekend is the uh, family outing and and the tea party, and and no excuse, absolutely no excuse, but it has caused me to to kind of be delayed. So we're gonna pick back up next week, and 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 I'm excited because I figured out how we can do things and we're going to get on zoom and and we're going to use the podcast and everything so so we got some stuff in store god is doing a great work in this season but i wanted to get through uh this bible supplement um so that so that we can be prepared uh to to move forward it's a couple of things and then i'm telling you y'all pray for prophetess because i really need to get through uh, what God has given me about this narcissism in the church, in the family, individually. You know, we we, we got to deal with it. We got to deal with it. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, what we're going to talk about um, today, we're going to talk about the, the patriarchs, the patriarchs as we prepare to get into our study uh, with um, talking about Abraham's journey. But so far, God has been doing a great work. I'm telling you, laying the foundation. What a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God. He is so intimately intertwined into our lives, so intimately involved. He knows what we need when we need it, and he will not withhold it from us. God has taken us on a journey of a 52-week uh, chronological review of the Bible, and 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 I need to stop saying 52 weeks because it's, it's going to be as long as it takes, right, for us to get through it. And so we started out learning about creation. We learned about how God created the heavens and the earth and how God created everything within it. And on the sixth day, everything that he created, including uh, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, and everything in between the cattle and, and all of those things that we learned about. And even man on the sixth day, when God completed his creation, he said, it is good. It is good. So we learned about creation and we learned about Adam and Eve and how they walked alongside God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in your lifetime, you are walking with God in the flesh? You are in the flesh walking with God and you know him. My God, you know him even before sin entered into the earth realm. You know him. 
And so we learned about the fall and we learned about how Adam and Eve, you know, turned away from what God instructed them and they were disobedient. He said, you can have everything you can have. (laughs) My husband told me the other day, you can have whatever you want, uh, singing that T.I. song. But anyway, God told him, he said, you can have anything here. I even created this earth to please you. I wanted you to have paradise and I was giving it to you, but you can eat of everything here, but I don't want you to eat from the tree of good and evil. And so Adam and Eve did not listen to God. They listened to the enemy who disguised himself as a snake, little Slytherin thing, and he disguised himself and he tricked them. And so what we learned from that was that there were consequences in their actions, consequences from the things that they did. They went from an identity of God in God and being like God because he said, let us create them in our image to walking in their own image. They want. They were so ashamed because of their own image and their own identity didn't measure up to God. They wanted to cover themselves up. And God said, why you want to cover yourself? I agree. You need to be covered. But if you are going to be covered, you got to be covered under the blood. So he made a sacrifice, the first sacrifice ever made for man. He made a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to cover them. And he said, look, you see how I did this? The only way you can come back into my presence is by that blood covenant, by that sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, the way that that sacrifice was made was through an animal, through animal sacrifice. And eventually when Jesus came, he walked the face of the earth and he shed his blood for us. No longer did we have to present uh, um blood sacrifices. But then we learned about Cain and Abel. We learned about Cain and Abel and how, you know, Cain uh, decided, I'm going to come to God how I want to. I'm going to give you what I want to give you out of the best of what I'm capable of doing. And he took on a lot of the attributes of his daddy, his mama, and the enemy. He said, I'm going to do it my way. I did it my way. And so he brought to God a, a non-blood sacrifice, but his his brother said, look, I worship God. I love God. I want to walk in obedience to his will, so I'm going to give him what he decides is authorized, what he wants, what God determined is true, and I'm going to give him the best of the best of what I have, and I'm going to give the blood sacrifice. God was pleased with Abel, and what Abel presented, but he was displeased with Cain. And so instead of Cain repenting and turning from that, he got mad at his brother, and guess what he did? He killed him. He destroyed him. His brother was walking in what God called him to do, doing what God called him to do, and guess what? Just out of sheer envy, jealousy, hatred, evil, he killed his brother. He killed his brother. So we learned that it didn't end there. It didn't end there. Uh, After Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve had another son, and they called him Seth. And then Seth wound up having 
another son and he called him, I think it was Lameth, Lameth or something like that. And he was, he was the father of Noah. And so up until this uh, Noah's Ark experience, I always pictured in my mind and defined that the bloodline of the Savior came through Seth. Because everything in, was, was destroyed during the flood. We learned that during the flood, everything was destroyed except uh, Noah and his family. And like I said, up until yesterday, I always saw that story as, okay, well, God said, hey, you done killed your brother, gone on over there. I'm kicking you out of um, where we are. He done, cooked, he done kicked the mom and daddy out of Eden. He done, now he kicking the son out of the space. He said, go on, go east. You, you, you gone on over there and make you a family and all of that. And, and so he made his family while his brother Seth was making his family. And eventually out of Seth's bloodline, Noah came. But what I learned on yesterday was that out of Cain's bloodline, out of, out of Cain's uh, bloodline, Noah's wife came. So, so Seth and Noah Cain, I mean, uh, yeah, Cain and uh, I'm going to call her Nehemiah, Nehemiah, N-A-A-M-A-H, Nehemiah. She was a Canaanite. She was Cain's uh, daughter. Uh, uh, and so out of their union came Noah and and his family, okay? So God don't leave no, you know, he don't leave nothing behind. He ain't wasting nothing. He said he said I'm a I'm a I'm a create this uh path to promise with both of of Eve's seeds. My God, my God. Mm, mm, mm. God's promise, God's promise. Listen, listen. I'm telling you the revelation that God has given me. See, and, and this is why Bible literacy is so important. It's important that we get in the word for ourselves and even the, the supporting surrounding facts. I did not learn what I learned about uh, Noah's wife by just reading the Bible. We went to the Ark experience um, and we were able to go through and read through some history and then I went on and I started doing a little bit more additional research so this is where I derived to these facts and I came to this conclusion and more information so but this is why it's so important but what the Holy Spirit just showed me through all of that is that God is a he is not a man that he shall lie, neither the son of man shall he uh, repent. He's not a God who lies. If he said it, it is so. And what did he tell? What did he tell Eve? What did he tell Eve? He said that your seed, your seed, your seed will triumph, conquer, overcome, have victory over, destroy the enemy, your seed. 
And so it was through her seed. It was through Cain and Seth that this union was built. And so we learned about that. We learned about Noah. And then we learned about, you know, Noah had a little drinking problem and and he had a little attitude, you know, uh, anger management. He he needed some help, I'm telling you. (laughs) You know, got mad at his sons for getting drunk. (coughs) And the son exposing him, embarrassing him. And I'm sure there's so much more that we're going to learn about that. I'm telling you, if I was a, if I was in school for psychology, I would use some of these profiles to break break down some of the known psychological facts about human behavior. But anyway, so we learned about that, and then now we we last week we learned or two weeks ago because we missed last week, but we learned about Joe. And Job's experience. And boy, one of his friends, I'm telling you, they were something else. But friends like, damn, who need enemies? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And so now it brings us to the patriarchs. And and um, I think you all remember when we first started the study, I share with you all that, that we have... Uh, the eras, the eras that we're going to be going through as we continue to go through, um, as we continue to go through this uh, study, and I'm trying to get us to, what was, the first era was most definitely uh, creation, and so this era, we're talking about uh, the uh, the patriarchs, and um, yeah, so the first era was the creation, the fall, and its consequences. Consequences, uh, the foundation of identity and what what our identity is. And so, the second era uh, that we're going to go into as we continue our study is the patriarchs or a special family, God's special family. Amen. So we're going to talk about Abraham's journey and. Uh, lots losses, Abraham's promise, you know, shaping of the promise, Isaac. We're going to talk about Jacob and Leah. Oh, my goodness, I can't wait till we get there. And then we're going to talk about Joseph and, and, and uh, his brothers and things like that. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get into more. But with the uh, second era, uh, I just wanted to just go over a few facts with you uh, around the second era. And, and so as we continue to build the foundation that God is, has, has ordained for us in this season, as we're learning and expanding our knowledge and who he is, um, we have to understand or get a, a firm understanding of who we are and why God has us here. And what does he expect to us? And how do we respond to what God expects? If we don't understand that, this Bible, this this foundational uh, impartation that God is giving us will mean nothing. It will mean nothing if we don't get that. Understanding who are we? 
<laughs> I mean, why, why does God have us here? Who are we? And what does he expect? And, and, and how shall we respond to that? And I believe God has given us the stories in the Bible to help us to relate so that we can understand what it took them. Look, they had to live through it to get it. We could just reflect on what they learned <laughs> and, and, and fast forward us to it. But when you think about the patriarchs, the, pra- the patriarchs is founded on or it begins with the concept or ideal of the special family. The special family. I was I was sharing with someone on yesterday as we were going through uh, Noah's Ark. And I'm telling you, if you all have not had the Ark experience, I believe it's in, is it Wim, Williamson or Williamstown or whatever, Kentucky. Um, they have an Ark there that is a life-size replica of the ark and so all around this theme park they have um, created an atmosphere that reflects how things could have been during that time and so I I went through uh, probably just the preliminary um, tour (laughs) <laughs> because my son told me it was so much more to it. I didn't get up to the third floor. But um, but we're going back. But I was sharing with someone that, you know, we, we get so entitled and, 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 and we have that belief that, that we're so special, that we're uh, uh, set apart and, and that nobody has God like we have God. And we forget that we are all descendants of the first man and woman that walked the face of the earth. And with that, we are all descendants of their children. And so we all matter. We all matter to God. We are special in as much as we are individual, we are special to God. And we all matter to him. Yet God decided that he wanted to set aside a specific lineage, a specific lineage to bring forth his promise into the earth. So that lineage began with Abraham. And so as God moves from generation to generation, He keeps his promise that the seed of the woman will come to crush the head of the serpent. God chooses one man out of a family of idolaters. If you go to Joshua 24 and 2, we learn or we understand that Abraham came from a family of idolaters. And God calls him to a new identity. So it doesn't matter where you are, how you grew up, what you came from. God can use you if he has called you. Abraham's father worshipped other gods. All, everybody around him. 
idolize. They made gods of, of, of symbols and gods of shapes, <laughs> gods of animals, <laughs> you know. But during this time in Genesis, during Abraham's uh, journey, God began to set apart his family. And he wanted to establish them as a peculiar people, an unusual people. And because he wanted to use them, he marked them by his promises and with his presence. And that's very key and keen to understand that God marked them with his promises and with, I mean, in his promises and with his presence. See, I told y'all, God has called us in this season for such a time as this, and God is putting us on public display for those that he can trust. The miracles, signs, and wonders that will follow us have nothing to do with us, but everything to do with God wants to use us to draw others. The same way he did it for Abraham. He's going to do it in this generation. Just as he had done before the fall, God calls his people to believe his promises and walk by faith and not by sight. But in order for you to walk by faith and walk by sight, I mean, and not by sight. You have to interact with God. You have to be in his presence. And what Abraham showed us through his journey, and we're going to learn that, is that he walked and interacted with God. In the beginning of this patriarchal era, God chooses Abraham to carry his promise just as he had chosen Noah. Remember, we learned about Noah, but God chose Abraham. God has a pattern and a tendency to mark people and mark generations and set a man apart and his descendants as his special people, those who have covenant with him. Those who are in covenant with him and they are set apart and not like the rest of the world. And listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Now, I'm very clear that God has called me to plant. He's called me to pastor. But I would much rather wish (laughs) the men, (laughs) would a man of God please stand up? Please stand up. (laughs) I mean, come on now. But he's allowing me to move and press forward because I have a yes in my soul, in my spirit. There's a yes. I'm going to walk in obedience to your will. But I'm telling you, it's the men. It's the men. Y'all let me have this burden for the ministry. Now, I'm I'm not going to be sexist or anything like that, but there is a difference. 
there is a there's there's a gap. There's a lack. My role or my function to pastor does not change. But my responsibility to lead. I cannot lead the men. I cannot. I can help coach you. I can help, you know, I can give you the knowledge. But it's not my responsibility to lead you. It is for me to be led. This is why when we were uh, at the Noah's Ark and my son, my baby boy, took a great interest in everything that he was learning. I mean, he took his time. He was up there for hours reading and learning and communing with God and allowing God to expose things to him. I see that as evident that help is on the way. <laughs> help is on the way. I wish it was my husband. Wish it was, you know, some of my brothers, brother-in-law even. <laughs> that would come, you know, but whatever. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss my assignment. But in this era, where we talk about the patriarchs, uh, it flushes out what it means for sinful man to be in a relationship with God. It, it, it really demonstrates that. It shows us by example. As Abraham and each of his descendants have to step out by faith, and they have to watch God accomplish his promises. I can relate. I'm telling you. My my family, my, my family was not a very spiritual family. They were not overly religious, which is a good thing. But I did not have examples. As a matter of fact, there were certain family members who, you know, um, they believed in superstition. I mean... <laughs> It was ridiculous to an extent. They served other gods, didn't revere God, didn't fear God. But God chose me and he set me apart. It was by way of the call and the uh, responsibility of my father that he never accepted the mantle over his life. And so now I'm carrying forth the ministerial call that God has placed on us. But nonetheless, we have the example here with Abraham and his descendants on how to, to really flush out what it means for a sinful man to be in relationship with, with God. People who don't know nothing about God, we ain't come up generations in the church. We ain't have all of that, you know, but we are in true relationship with God. God not only took uh, Abraham, set him and his family apart, he made a promise to him. He said, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless all of the families of the earth through you. Through you. Through the covenant that I have made with you. We see a pattern beginning to to manifest and themes beginning to 
come into play and, 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 and mature and grow and evolve is the word that I'm looking for. Because through the Bible so far, we see that, that there's a need for a sacrifice when it comes to a covenant with God. And so the evolution of that blood sacrifice, it went from animal to now, <laughs> we gonna learn Abraham had a challenge to sacrifice his own seed. Sacrifice his own seed. And so when God challenged Abraham to do this thing, God, in my mind, was showing us, it was foreshadowing the sacrifice that would be made by God to give his only begotten son. But in this instance, in Genesis, in the beginning, Abraham did not have to follow through on that sacrifice because God had a ram in the bush. He made provision for Abraham to not have to sacrifice Isaac because he gave him a ram that he was able to sacrifice in his stead. So we see how that covenant directly relates to a sacrifice. And then when we we learn about his cousin, Lot, cousin, nephew, no, it was his cousin. And God uses this to, to show us the significance of his judgment of sin. He, he, he uses this story to show us the mercy that God has. Yet, the, the sovereignty of who God is and judging righteously and rightly sin. And what I love about this study as we get deeper into it is that we'll see God's unwillingness to hide his will from his servants. God, he, he's going to show us. He's going, God does not want us to be in the dark about who he is. People hide things. God doesn't want to hide things. Now, God is a mystery. It's some things that we don't get, we don't understand. But God is going, he's not going to hide his will from his servant. And so we get into uh, uh, Pharaoh's and we learn about um, how um, Abraham interacted with Pharaoh and, and all of the tension between them, the scheming and 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 the things that Abraham did, you know, to to keep himself out of trouble. We learn how uh Abraham walks by faith. But yet there are times where he let fear get the best of him and and you know he he told a little, I don't know if it was a tan lie, white, or, or what, <laughs> yellow, back then. 
We're going to learn about Abimelech. I love that name. And Sarah. You know. And how Sarah wanted to. She wanted to rush God's promise. By using her hand servant. Her, her hand maiden. Hagar. To bring forth the promise that she didn't believe was going to come to pass anyway. And so Jacob, we, we learn about Jacob and Esau, you know, Lamans, I mean Laban's relationship with Jacob, Joseph's brother. All we learn about how all of these characters try to circumvent God's promises. But God shows us. That it doesn't matter. His promises will still be fulfilled. I'm telling you, it's something about walking through this season, learning all of this. One of the key things that I believe God wants us to get out of this as we continue in this study is understanding that there may be a gap between the promise and the fulfillment of God's promises. There may be a gap because if you look throughout the story, when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, I believe it was about 24 years after that he actually produced the son. <laughs> and they already were laughing like, oh, we, oh how are we going to do this? But in the meantime and in between time, Abraham, believing the promise of God, he develops his faith and he walks by faith and not by sight. Sarah, she couldn't couldn't see it. But because of God's faithfulness and because Abraham was walking with God, he was able to hold on to what God has given him. These stories, they help us to to demonstrate the importance of the development of the right view of God. The right view of God. You can't just think that because God made a promise and you haven't seen it come to pass, that God is not who he say he is. Joseph, we're going to learn about Joseph. He, he experienced the gap. Not only did he experience the gap, look, he had to wait in captivity. It was, it was at or around 13 years before God brought about what he promised him <coughs> that he would do. Sarah, you know, she's something else. She's something else. I don't know what kind of woman that'll give a husband to somebody else, but that ain't me. 
But as soon as she got what she wanted from the woman, and the woman, you know how catty we can be. The woman went on to try to rub it in Sarah's face when she got pregnant. And Sarah went to picking at him. And hey, I said, she she liked me. She said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not about to be your punching bag. But God told her, go back. Go back. Take Ishmael back with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. Agar, I remember from previous studies, and I'm, I'm telling you, I can't wait till we just really dig into this because I know I'm going to learn so much more. But she called God. She said, him who sees me. Sometimes we just want to be seen. That's the biggest thing for me. When I'm going through certain things, like, can't you see? Can't you just see me? So I'll try to get people to see me through their situation. When we learn about the patriarchs, we'll understand why they were so significant. And so when when God is referenced throughout the Bible, it's, you know, especially a few times in the New Testament. It talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Building off of that relationship that they had already set for God. But these relationships with these men show us God's character by how he dealt with them. And how God is a promise keeper. He keeps his promises. And while Abraham was on the front end of the promise, we can now see God's promises fulfilled. In Genesis 15 and 6, the word of God says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I think this thing is going to shut me down. This alarm go off. Give it another few seconds and see. All right, praise God, it didn't go off. <laughs> All right, but but God's relationship with man is is not based on man's ability, on his worth, his value, his strength, his power beauty or his deeds. God's relationship with man is based on his faithfulness, on God's faithfulness and man's faith. The Bible tells us it's impossible to please him without faith. But the relationship that we have with God is based on God's faithfulness and our faith. Abraham shows us that. And as Joseph walks by faith, we get a demonstration 
of how to experience and embrace God's faithfulness. We learn our identity in God. We learn who we are. God oftentimes throughout the Bible, he has a a reputation or a pattern of calling people out of their old identity into the new. He wants us to understand our identity. This is why it's so important that we recognize these stories as we continue to go through the foundation. They're not abstract stories or characters that were made up these mythical things. These are real uh, people who are a part of our heritage, a part of our lineage, a part of our history. And so God wants us to understand our identity in him that takes shape through his relationship with the patriarchs and how God uh, established (coughs) his relationship with them. He, He helped the people of that era to grow in their understanding of him through God's truth, through his faithfulness and his goodness. He helped them to build their identity, to establish their word view, and to understand the word of God. Irrespective of what other people think or what value people put on things or humans measure of of success or respect. God wanted us to understand the identity that he provided. The identity that is based on the fear of man or or the the fear of God, the healthy fear of God. God wanted us to understand his relationship with man. And when I say man, I mean human, based on his faithfulness and man's faith. God is not a God that competes with us for value or love or for things. And so what he was establishing as he was building that relationship with his set people, with the people that he set aside, was I value you. I love you. I give to you this promise of things, not because of who you are, but because of my faithfulness and because of your faith. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I don't fully understand this, but I believe God is going to reveal it to us as we continue with this study. It's something about God's law, his uh, living and grace. And I'm telling you, I touched on it when Kreplo was talking all this crazy stuff. And the fact that these foundations, these principles, these precepts predated the law. So so we, we get a lot of stuff twisted because we don't get in the word ourselves. Just like a lot of times people walking around here talking about the enemy got dominion over the earth. No, he don't. That's a lie. God never gave him dominion. We got to get in the word. And so when we say that we're no longer under the law, we want to throw away the whole Old Testament. There was a whole life 
before the law. And so where people define themselves by comparison with other people, God defines us by the identity that he has given us. Because we are outside of Eden, because we're outside of Eden, we're, it's almost like we're in a desert place between Eden and, and heaven. And in order for us to survive, it requires an identity based on who God is and what God has done and who God has defined us as. Our identity, understanding who we are, makes the difference. God's truth sets us free. It allows us to be free. So as we continue in our study about uh, the the patriarchs, we're going to learn about their worldviews. And, and we can start breaking them down and, and seeing some correlations between what they believed then and what we experience today. You know, like remember Lot's wife and how she was attached to things. And, and Sarah, well, we, we talked about her and her inability to walk by faith and not by sight. She was walking by sight and not by faith and that caused a bigger mess. She wanted to accomplish God's will in the flesh and God said, I had a supernatural promise. I got something waiting for you. We're going to learn about God's judgment of sin. How Lot and his daughters influenced uh, or how they were influenced by wickedness. And Isaac and Rebecca, I'm telling you, I love that story. And how, uh, you know, we learn about waiting for God in relationship or how we're going to see (laughs) Abraham. We're going to learn about living by faith without scheming. Idol worshiper, idol worshiping, and and faithlessness. <laughs> We're going to learn a lot about that. The other thing that I love about this study is that God is going to show us how he uses man's evil to accomplish his good. The enemy means it for bad, but God is going to use it for our good. The biggest key that I want us to keep in mind is just the gap between God's promise and the fulfillment of God's promises so that we don't get too downtrodden, waiting. Sometimes it's just about the wait. God will give us strange and unusual, peculiar instructions that we're going to have to follow. We're going to see that. 
how he substitutes sacrifice, how he defends the women under submission. And sometimes we like, God, I ain't going to submit if I got to fight. God said, this battle ain't yours. How he speaks into the lives of the kings and how he plans to always uh, include his people in his plan as long as they walk in obedience. God shows us that there is a promise of a redeemer, the seed of Abraham, to bless all nations. God ain't leaving nothing behind, and he ain't never lied. He promised the land to the people, and they got it. Yet it required their faith. He prepared the people for a future by showing them his will. He spoke to his people. He got the message to them. God keeps his promises and he wants us to know his will. So this week, as we get into the word, I want you to be conscious of what God desires for us to learn in this season. I'm telling you, it's not by chance. Y'all better stop discounting the Old Testament and thinking, oh, well, we ain't no longer under the law, but these things predate the law. <laughs> He's still interacting with his people the same way. It wasn't until Moses came that the law came. And there are reasons behind that, but we're going to get into it. But for now, we're going to focus on what we're focusing on. All right. Well, I love you all. And that's all I got for you today. Have a blessed and prosperous week. In Jesus' name. Love you. Bye-bye.